Hello, welcome to the Press Gallery interview. I'm not Emma Graney. I'm Dave Breckenridge, a managing editor of the uh, Edmonton Journal and also host of Post Media's national news podcast, 10-3. Uh, we've kind of mixed it up during the election campaign so far. If you've been paying attention, I've been sitting in the host chair for the Press Gallery interview and I've been bringing in uh, members of our coverage team for the election. Today, I'm joined by another familiar voice, uh, someone who's uh, hosted the Press Gallery interview as well, Keith Gerard. Uh, political columnist Keith thanks for joining me in the studio hey thanks for being here it's weird being on this side of the microphone <laughs> for the uh, the press gallery interview well it's been fun I you know the goal behind this is just to kind of give listeners a deeper sense of one portion of the campaign uh, the first episode we did we touched on kind of the kamikaze campaign and how that could hurt the UCP. And last week we talked with Janet French about education policy because that mm. seems to surprisingly have come into the campaign quite a bit. I think uh, as I think you were even talking about that on the last press gallery yeah, about for how sure. the surprising uh, resurgent of education as uh, a big issue. So today I thought it would be good because really, especially if you're looking at the polls and no offense to Stephen Mandel and the Alberta party and David Kahn and the liberal party, it really does seem like a two horse race. Yes. Uh, partway through the campaign. Uh, we're at the halfway point now. It seems like we're at, at the four week point with another four weeks to go, but we're at the halfway point of the election campaign and Jason Kenney and the United Conservative Party and Rachel Notley and the New Democrat Party have put out their full platforms. They sure did. So we should, I felt that it would be good that we took a, a deeper look at um, what exactly they're saying, you know, kind of where, where they're at in terms of policy. And as you said, you wrote a, a good column that was in uh, Tuesday's journal uh, looking at the platforms and it's a lot of reading. It's a total of 161 pages uh, it's a lot to dig into, and we could spend a couple hours really going through everything point by point. I didn't want to do that. I was hoping we can look at things a little differently. So first, let's look at where these two main platforms are strongest. Like I, We're not trying to pick winners here, but each party has their strengths and weaknesses in their sure. platform. So let's let's take a look at kind of some of the stronger points of the UCP platform. Where Where sure. do you think that they kind of at least didn't hit it out of the park, but, you know, showed some strength in their 111 pages or whatever. It was. Yeah. Well, 118 pages is a lot of pages. Um, so, I mean, Jason Kenney promised that he would deliver the most comprehensive political platform ever in Alberta. And I, I think he has delivered on that. This is a very, very expansive policy. He has got policies on things that clearly he is very passionate about, uh, immigration, uh, credentialing of newcomers, um, He's got uh, he's got a whole policy on human trafficking, for goodness sake, on uh, rural crime. And all of them have 12, 15, 16 points to them. So hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's clear he's put a lot of time into this. This is very much a Jason Kenney policy book. This There is some reference here to the grassroots of the UCP, but this is very much uh, Jason Kenney's signature policy. Uh, and people should realize that. So its comprehensiveness is certainly one of its strengths. Yeah. On the fiscal policy, I think this is where they're probably strongest. So they have their assumptions for oil prices, for uh, GDP growth, for employment growth are all a little more conservative, actually quite a bit more conservative than the NDPs. I feel a little safer with that, uh, yep. that it is a bit more conservative. They're not sort of banking on getting lucky to balance the books. Um, 
If you're an economist, I think you like the idea of a corporate tax cut, that this will potentially bring in new business, get businesses to expand and hire and so on. Uh, and and potentially down the road, that will help uh, the provincial books. Won't help in the short term. It'll actually kind of exacerbate things in the short term. In the short term, yeah. right. So the game is the long term there, right? Is is potentially you get uh, eventually more economic activity will bring more revenue to the province. That's that's the that's the idea anyway. I'm a little skeptical of that, but I think a lot of economists like it. So that's one. Uh, and there is some spending restraint here. And I think a lot of Albertans are demanding that. They're now, whether it's too much, that, that can be debated, but there is a real effort, at least in the plan, to really get spending down to more more towards the national average. Now, does that spending restraint get the books balanced any quicker than the NDP wants to, or is it, or yes. is it over? Like, what's the timeline that they're looking at? Yeah. So they, they would like to, they think they can balance the books by, uh, 2022, 23, which is a year sooner than the NDP plans to balance the books. Uh, there is a very different way they go about doing it though. And that is it's, it's largely on spending restraint. They're not predicting revenue is going to increase very much. And Mm -hmm. it's especially not going to increase when you take out the corporate tax revenue that they have. So this really is all on the spending side or the vast majority is on the spending side. So that raises some, some concerns. Obviously, uh, some people think this is overdue and, and I, I do think at some point Alberta is going to have to come to grips with the fact that we do have a very expensive, public service at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so some restraint is probably necessary, but whether it's, whether the right approach is to introduce freezes for four straight years, I think some, I think that's going to be a very big point of contention. Yeah. And I imagine we'll probably hear a lot about, uh, conflicting visions between the two of them, uh, this Thursday in the, in the leaders debate, That's which, right. which I assume will be a topic of uh, conversation on the upcoming uh, press gallery panel. Were any other areas where you feel that the, the UCP platform kind of hits the mark or is it mostly on this idea that, um, Alberta's budget is kind of out of control and we need to rein in spending and we need to spark investment and and try and get job creation. I, I do think that is the the main strength of it. And I, I think that is the, you know, they've tapped into the issue. I think most Albertans are concerned about certainly in Southern Alberta and Calgary. This is absolutely the issue that, that most people are tapped into. Uh, so I think they've hit the mark on on that score. Um, some of their other policies, in particular, the ones to you know really take on Canada and some of the other provinces to get much more aggressive. Uh, some of that, I think, also resonates very well with Albertans. Some of it, I think, is maybe over the top and might actually be counterproductive. But uh, that is one that I think some people will see as a strength as well. And, and what about the NDP? You know, they're running pretty much on their record. I, I think that you know, as you say in your your column, that that they're policy book isn't as thick as the UCP's policy book, but in a lot of cases they're, they're running on, look at what we've accomplished in our first term. Uh, and here are some other things that we're going to do if we get a second term, where, where do they land in terms of what, uh, their strengths are with this uh, platform? Yeah. So I don't think they're as strong on fiscal policy. Their, their plan to, to get to balance, um, is, is a little, little riskier to me, uh, but they are stronger on public services. So they're not going to introduce a four-year freeze. They're, they're talking more about cost containment, slower growth. So mm. it, it, it assumes sort of modest increases across the board for public services like healthcare, like two to 3% healthcare education and so on. I think 
you know, there, there's some some argument that that is a good approach because it will keep services stable. We're not going to have to uh, lay off people. We're not going to have to uh, envision, you know, program cuts. Uh, and that may be important because we do face a growing population and an aging population, more and more seniors, right? Mm-hmm. Which means more and more health demands. Uh, it's not, it would not be easy to implement a freeze without some pain, right? And I, I do think that's, um, that's a strength there that they can attack the UCP with that, you know, if you implement a four-year freeze, as the UCP is saying, that's going to come with some pain and the UCP has not been upfront about that. So, th- so I think that is uh, the main strength of, of the, the NDP platform. Their economic approach, and, and I, I do have some uh, some interest in this, is rather than a corporate tax cut, they want to have targeted government investments in diversification. Uh, in particular, they're going to double uh, incentives for upgrading and petrochemicals based on a program that they've already started that has seen some success. Uh, I think diversification is a very noble goal. I think that's an agenda that has been neglected in Alberta, and I, I do credit them for taking this seriously and actually trying to do something. However, uh, to double that program when we don't know exactly how well the NDP program up to date has been doing, uh, that's risky to me. I think we need more answers on whether that upgrading in petrochemicals is proving a success before we decide that we're going to double the money for it. And how do they plan to fund some of these programs? At least like the UCP, as you said, they have conservative estimates for revenue projections. They have fairly, uh, they want to restrain spending. And the NDP plan, there's increases in spending, but where do they plan to fund that from? Right. So they are banking on economic activity growing generally. So economic forecasts suggest that, hey, if we get a couple of pipelines, um, that is going to lead to more economic growth. We're going to get uh, more corporate income tax from that. We're going to get more personal income tax for that. We're going to get more royalties from that. And that's what's going to fund uh, a lot of this uh, extra spending, right? And it's not huge extra spending. Um, well, in some in some cases it could be because they are actually adding some new things, including uh, drug programs for seniors, uh, some new continuing care spaces and and so on um, that that are and j- uh, cheap uh, cheap daycare as well expanding mm-hmm. that program which is very expensive so so there is some extra spending there but that will be covered in their mind by economic growth which they believe they need to stimulate with some government investments but as I said I think their projections of how much that revenue is going to grow is is dubious so you have two basically two competing visions on the best way to stimulate economic growth. That's right. The UCP wants to uh, cut taxes as a way to spur investment. Right. And the NDP wants to offer targeted grant funding to stimulate economic diversity. That's right. So those are the main differences. The UCP will also try to cut more red tape uh, and and cutting the carbon tax, for example, changes to the minimum wage. They say that those things will also help uh, stimulate economic activity. However, really important point here, both parties are going to accomplish neither of their goals, any of their goals, unless they get pipelines built. It absolutely is contingent on pipelines getting built. And that is the main thing. And that is largely out of provincial control. That's the main the main point that people need to understand. Without those pipelines, the NDP fails on their plan. The UCP fails on their plan. Nothing like an uncertain future, right? <laughs> um, looking at things kind of not taking a negative eye, but taking a critical eye to both platforms, where are the parties the UCP and the NDP, where are they lacking? Or where do you think their policy kind of misses the mark or just isn't realistic? 
Yeah, well, as on the NDP side, as I mentioned, uh, I think the revenue projections are, are a little out of control there. I think, uh, it's as I said, it's dicey to be uh, putting a lot of eggs into the... Um, into the diversification basket at this mm-hmm. point when we haven't seen exactly what the results of the the earlier program were and th- and that that diversification takes years that isn't a quick turnaround so so that's part of it as well the spending is is high it, mm-hmm. it, it is high um, not so much the baseline spending for for health and education that's only going up about two to three percent a year but it's the extra things it's like it's the you know essentially giving seniors free drugs for you know for the foreseeable future uh, low and ma- middle income seniors it's expanding the daycare it's um, a variety of other promises that are that are quite expensive and maybe we this is a, just a luxury we can't afford I think that that a lot of Albertans would say this is um, a nice idea but it's better in better economic times and we just can't afford it right now. So that's the NDP weakness, I think. On the UCP side, I think their main weakness is on some of their their, uh, platforms uh, in regards to social services and and social policy. So as I said, a four-year freeze on healthcare education, not funding this aging population and the health demands, uh, not funding... uh, uh, additions to classrooms and new students coming in. Uh, they don't really have a, a good plan for dealing with that. Jason Kenny has said, well, we'll find efficiencies, mm-hmm. right? We'll outsource more day surgeries and that'll save us some costs. We'll find 200 million in savings at Alberta Health Services. Maybe that's a bit of a, a gamble. Uh, and those are one-time savings. So those are not, um, not necessarily going to cover the... Um, the difficulty that those services will have in trying to accommodate population growth and inflation. So I think they're a little weak on that, but also some of the, these other policies, uh, rolling back GSA protections, yeah. I, I think is not gone over well. Um, I think uh, some of the, uh, some of the other policies that kind of play to the base, but don't really have a tangible benefit. And I'm talking about things like recall legislation, about having a uh, equalization referendum if we don't get a pipeline, which to me would just be an expensive poll with no real benefit. Some of this stuff, um, really going after opponents. Uh, at one point, Jason Kenney said, we really need to take on people who are attacking our agriculture industry. Well, who's that? You know, Is that really a big problem out there? I, so it's, it's sort yeah. of some made up problems here. And um, I, I, think, I think that's where they're weak is sort of on social programs, and in in this uh, this very very aggressive approach to the rest of Canada, which I think carries a high risk of backfire. Yeah, it's it you know it's hard to say how other premiers may respond while Alberta seemingly has an ally in Ontario currently and Saskatchewan with uh, Scott Moe and Doug Ford. Um, it's hard to see how it will play out with other provinces or yeah. even the federal government. You, it's not a wild scenario to think that Justin Trudeau could win a second term in office. Um, if he does, that gives Jason Kenney an instant enemy. Yeah. But it also potentially creates conflict in, in which uh, Alberta may not reach its goals. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to work with BC at some yeah. point, right? And if you have spent months and months bashing that that uh, that government there, I'm not sure how willing they're going to be to negotiate. Maybe they will, but I, I suspect some people are going to get their back up and try to make things more difficult. Yeah. Now, the 
the UCP, they kind of telegraphed some of this. They they did release a lot of policy in advance of the writ drop, and they've and they've spent a lot of time releasing policy through the campaign. So you know, stuff like um, recall was something that we had already seen. Um, was there anything that they had in their in their platform that was surprising from a perspective? Oh, this is I'm kind of I didn't think this would become an issue in the election, or um, I didn't think that anyone would raise this. Was there anything in their policy book that was kind of surprising? A little bit. Uh, I mean, Jason Kenney, part of his mind is still back in Ottawa. That's quite clear, right? And yeah. he's got some uh, quite expansive policies on immigration. He's got expansive policies on human trafficking, on rural crime, on um, credentialing of, of foreign newcomers, you mm-hmm. know, and getting them getting them better jobs here. Uh, that's all good stuff. But Alberta has limited control over those things. A lot of it is the federal government. So a good chunk of his policy book says we will lobby the federal government on, mm-hmm. right, or we will push the federal government on. Um, so nice ideas again, but uh, hard to say what the results of that will be. So. Some of those, some of those things, I, I did find surprising that that he had included those. Uh, today, actually, he announced uh, some some measures to deal with uh, orphan wells, abandoned wells. Right, that that's uh, one that conservatives have not often brought up, but he brought it up proactively today in in his press conference in, on on Tuesday, I should say. Um, so it's uh, so that was that was interesting to see. Again, a lot of it is we want the federal government to pay for a lot of this stuff or to 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 make legislative changes that'll make it easier to take care of those wells. So so that was sort of interesting. On the NDP side, I didn't see a lot of surprises. Again, the only surprise to me was maybe that they've gone a little overboard on, on some of the spending promises. Mm-hmm. And and that I, I, I thought I might see a little more restraint from them on some of these things. I don't know that we need to offer seniors making $75,000 a year free drugs. Um, That is, I think, going to be an interesting question um, that maybe we didn't need to do. I'm not sure that we needed to give $25 a day daycare to everyone, uh, including those who, you know, wealthy Albertans who can clearly pay for it themselves, right? That's another one I'm not sure uh, I was expecting to see. So, uh, but for the most part, the NDP campaign and their policy book is a continuation of what we've seen the last four years. Looking at the other parties, have we seen uh, fully costed platforms from the Liberal Party, the Alberta Party, any of the other parties? No, not no? yet. Uh, so Stephen Mandel, uh, leader of the Alberta Party, and uh, David Kahn, leader of the Liberal Party, they're continuing to make announcements, uh, including this week, new new announcements. Uh and have not presented a, a full book of, of all their policies collected and uh, how they might be costed out uh, over time. Whether we will see that, I don't know. Now, those parties do not have the kind of money <laughs> that mm-hmm. the NDP have or the or the UCP have, so they may not be able to hire auditors, accountants, people to actually put these things together and, and, and give it some credibility. Uh, maybe they have their own staff who can kind of do a, a loose count of things. But uh, I would actually be surprised if we did see that, uh, maybe from the Alberta party, but probably not from the other parties at this okay. point. Now, looking at the UCP platform, in the lead up to the election, there was a lot of questions as to what Jason Kenney would do if he became premier, what the UCP policy would look like. There was a lot of... Uh, kind of fear in this kind of policy purgatory. Um, but 111 pages or 118 pages can be a lot to for Albertans to ju- digest in mm-hmm. a short campaign period. Does having that much policy 
hurt them in any way or is it kind of they had to release as much as possible to give Albertans a better sense of who they are? It's a good question. Uh, I think this is probably too much for most Albertans. Um, it's it's a weird thing to say, um, give us less policy. I mean, as mm-hmm. journalists, that's not something we would ever say. But for Albertans, uh, they're not going to know most of this stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge policy book. It's a lot to wade through. It took me three, four hours to go through it on the weekend. Uh, it's just most Albertans are, are not going to do that. Um, they might pick out a few things that they're most interested in. Uh, and as I said, I think the economy and jobs are, are the ones that they're going to focus on. But Jason Kenney felt like he had to do this to to really show Albertans that he has been thinking about these issues and that they're not just a one issue party. Right. It's not just about the carbon tax and jobs in the economy, that there is uh, there is a social heart there as well that they mm-hmm. are thinking about. Um, so I, I, I guess that part of it is positive, but I do wonder if you needed 118 pages of it. Well, you know, if for anybody who's followed politics in Canada over the last 20 years, uh, one thing you could never say about Jason Kenney is he, he's not thinking about, uh, policy and, and, right. and politics. So, I mean, he lives up to that uh, at least. Your column can be read at edmontonjournal.com. All of our coverage can be read at edmontonjournal.com. And definitely stick around for the uh, panel on Friday. Uh, I imagine we'll have a lot of uh, follow-up to the leaders' debate, which happens on Thursday night. We'll be broadcast live at edmontonjournal.com as well. Keith, thanks for coming in the studio. Great to be here.